Good morning, good morning, and welcome to New Covenant Church. We've got a nice, cool, comfortable place for us to spend time in the presence of God this morning. Hand clap for air conditioning, amen. Presence of God, big round of amen right there. I have a few announcements for you. As you can feel and see, we are growing. That's a horrible problem to have. I want to make sure that you and the second service are aware. We have overflow parking available behind Golden Chick and the T-Mobile building over here. There's a designated walkway between us, so it's, it's no further of a walk. And actually, there's more parking over there, and it's a little bit easier. And you can get to lunch quicker if you park over there. It's a good time. Along those lines, where you're sitting, if you see space between you and the person next to you, move over a little bit. It's okay. Make a new friend. If you move towards the center of your eye, of your row, when people come in here, just a minute, because you know people are going to come in after we start singing, they'll be a lot less likely to kick your stuff over or step on your feet as they move to the middle where that space is. So if you see room in the middle of your row, move down a little bit. It'll be okay. If you're stuck to the end, that's okay. Just protect your feet as best you can. Amen. Stand up with me this morning as we get ready to enter the praise and worship. I want you to be aware this week our fall semester kicks off. NCC Kids starts on Wednesday night. We have a life group for you probably any night this week. If you go to the Church Center app and look at small groups, there's life groups available Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday mornings. We have life groups available for every uh, everybody here. So go there, for find the details of where they're at, what they're studying, what time they're going to meet on the Church Center app. Father God, this morning, we thank you for bringing us to this place. Lord, your provision is unending, unexplainable, and undeserved. And we are so thankful for what you're doing here at New Covenant through us and through this body. Lord, this morning, as we spend time in your presence, I ask that you speak to us. Let us know what you have in store. Father God, share with us the plans that you have for us and what part we're to play in it. Give us the faith to step out where you call us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, this is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we... Fix our eyes on the Lord this morning. I want you to repeat after me. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Let's do it again. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Receive it. Thank you, Lord, that your yoke is easy. And your burden is light. Let's sing. Where people pray, where we hear worship here. 
There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear worship, he hears faith.
sacrifice and we thank you that you've paved the way to salvation today we humbly ask that you look into our hearts and show us what needs to change see if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in your ways everlasting if you have come to the end of yourself and you're tired of relying on your own abilities I ask you today to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you've been following your own purposes and pushing your own agenda, then now's the time to open up your heart to him and fix your eyes on him.
Except through you. Say his name again. You're my hope and my salvation. You're my strength and you're my open door. We trust you. One more time. Jesus. Father, we pro- we come before you expressing our love and gratitude for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that in him we move and live and have our being. And He greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We celebrate you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome, Gracie. You you go by your own drumbeat, but I want you to know that it's the Lord that's keeping beat. And there's going to be some things that you're facing right now. You're not going to go everybody else's way. God has a way for you. It says a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So, Gracie, follow the Lord's steps. He's got it for you, all right? God bless you. Uh, Tim, Marissa, stand up. 
These are two. A couple of weeks they're going to be going to Germany. They're two girls. And uh, they've been serving here at New Covenant for the last, what, how many? Two, three, three years? That's the thing. We've had hundreds of military families that have gone through a New Covenant. And here's the problem. They come for about three years and then they get moved. And uh, we're going to be celebrating them, but, but I just want to, I want to give a word to them. If you want to say goodbye to them and those kind of, if you're not going to be here in the next couple of weeks, be sure and let them know how much you appreciate their service to New Covenant and what they've been doing. But Tim, Rissick, this is a very strategic time that God's going to have for you. Three years, that's a key, three years. And just understand, he's going to teach you more in three years than you could learn in any seminary around. All right. So God bless you. We love you. We're so glad you're here. We're sorry to see you go, but we'll be saying more to you. But y'all give them a hand, would you? If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Colossians chapter 2. Welcome to those that are you are watching online. We appreciate you being with us and we hope. Let me just tell you, it's better here. It really is. Isn't it? Wasn't it amazing? Worship. Worship time. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Don't you wish living the Christian life was as easy as becoming a Christian? Seems so much easier to believe at the start than to keep on believing and living what you believed. It's like running. It's easy to get the idea and start to make the decision to run. You have the best intentions, but the difficulty comes the next morning when you have to run again. And you continue running. You see, the idea is great, but the continued execution is not that easy. That's sometimes how it feels even after you become a Christian. The other issue is everybody, everybody has different ideas of how you're supposed to live this Christian life. Every day there's another book, there's another podcast, a sermon, a YouTube, a Facebook post, or a TikTok presenting some new idea, a key, a step, a strategy, a revelation to the Christian life. So we try again. We get our hopes up. This time it will work. Maybe this time it will work. Maybe this time it will be simpler. Maybe this time it will be easy. You know, statistics tell us that most converts to false religions and cults today were once associated with the Christian church. Why is that? Because I, I, I used to call it... Uh, I used to call it called call Cliff Notes Christians, but I can't call it that anymore because nobody knows what Cliff Notes are. <laughs> Anybody in here ever use Cliff Notes? Y'all are all old. <laughs> You're old. For you young people, Cliff Notes was a little yellow book that you could get because the big book you didn't want to read. So you didn't want to read the big book, so you got the little book to tell you what the big book says. And what it did, it said enough, it said enough for you to be able to know enough, understand enough to pass the test. But it didn't give you enough information for you to experience the truth of what the book was saying. A lot of people in our world today are Cliff Notes Christians. Now, the reason I I wasn't going to use that, remember? Uh, So I looked, uh, I Googled Cliff Notes. What are Cliff Notes called now? And I'm sorry, it just hit me so funny. Cliff Notes Call Now is a comprehensive guide. Everybody's looking for a shortcut, a new idea, a novel idea. Everybody's looking for an easier way, a a shortcut to reality. Cliff Notes. Hmm. A comprehensive guide. 
We're all prone to look for shortcuts and the new and the novel. Let me give you an example of one because it's, it's, come, it's come up and I've even, I've even quoted it. I've even said it. I, it's called the knowledge doubling curve. Knowledge doubling curve. And it was supposedly Buckminster Fuller in 1982. He suggested that in 1900 human knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. By the end of 1945, the rate had come down to it doubling every 25 years. And by 1982, when he was talking, he says now knowledge is doubling every 13 months. And a fellow futurist now, he's alive now, Ray Kurzweil, has suggested that with the arrival of the Internet, it is now knowledge is doubling every 12 hours. And now with AI, this is his latest prediction, he has predicted humans will be able to achieve immortality with the help of nanorobots by 2030. I only have seven more years to go. And I'm going to live forever. Yay? Who wants... Oh, never mind. How easily it is to get caught up with novel and new and incredible information. Now just let me tell you this. Everything I just said is not true. The knowledge doubling curve, Buckminster Fuller did not say those things. It wasn't written in his book. But we've repeated it so long that everybody says it was. Also, Ray Kurzweil first said, predicted, that we would reach immortality by 2023. But now he's moved it seven more years. Do you understand what I'm saying? None of it's true. It's not knowledge at all. What has doubled is data. Data has doubled. In other words, there's more digital information around in the world today than there's ever been. There's more digital information than what is written in libraries. All the libraries in the world are already being bypassed by what's in digital form. That doesn't mean we're smarter. It doesn't mean we even understand. In fact, if you're not careful, you'll let the new information deceive you from the right information. You've got to understand, we get captivated by new information. It gets our attention and we get deceitfully moved away from the truth as it's found in Scripture. Captivated by new information, we become captive to the wrong information. Far too many Christians today, and I'm going to use the the popular word today, we've become AI Christians Artificial intelligence. Well, what are you saying, artificial intelligence? We've accepted second and third hand information rather than personal information between you and Jesus Christ. Most of us have been brought up in churches. We've been taught the traditions of men. We've been taught all those ways and everything. And I'm not saying some of them are not right, but I'm saying that what you need is you need to have personal information, not third rate information. So I want you to look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8. And Paul gives us a warning. 
If you could see a flashing red light right now, I wish you would. This is, I'm going to read to you, it's going to be on the screen, from the Amplified uh, Classic Bible. It says, see to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, those idle fancies and plain nonsense. Following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual word, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. The message translation says it this way, Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings, but that's not the way of Christ. Isn't it amazing how much time is spent making YouTubes and all these? You've seen one thing on YouTube and you think, man, that's a good word. That's a good word. Then you find five other YouTubes saying why that word's wrong. And if you like one of these guys more than you like that, then you'll believe this. And it's just this confusing thing of trying to find out what's real, what's true, what, what, what should we believe. What should, and we're going everywhere. We spend all of our time arguing about the stuff and how little time we spend in living it. Really living it. I want to say something. Because we tend to do this. We tend to chase new information. We're looking for an easier, less costly, less controversial way to live the Christian life. And how little time we spend actually trusting the Lord Jesus and walking with Him. So let me just say this out loud. I won't be loud, but just let me say this. The world's way won't work. I don't care how smart you are, how everybody's in agreement with you. The world's way won't work. God's way's right. God's way's eternal. God's ways are easily, easily followed. The problem is we've bought a bill of goods of lies from the world, men telling you how it won't work. Men, starting with themselves, telling you how this won't work. God says it will. Our problem is we tend to believe everybody else. Here's the thing we've done. We've grown up in church and everywhere else gaining all of this information, second-handed, third-handed, fourth-handed. It's great. We've gone to classes to learn it. We've done all these things. We've got all this information and we take this information. I'm talking about in college and uh, high school. I'm not talking about just Christian education, all kinds of education, all those things. I'm not even knocking education. It's all that the world has. But we take all of this and we bring it to the Bible and we interpret the Bible by the world's knowledge. And the reality is... The Bible says God's word is truth. We ought to take the truth of the word of God and interpret what the world's saying. We've got it backwards. And we've lived so long backwards, we don't know how to live forward. I'm going to tell you how today. That wasn't even funny to you, was it? <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. Paul says the same thing to the Corinthians. He says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his trickery, your minds will be led astray from 
sincere, in New King James says, simplicity, from the simplicity and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes along and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which have not, you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you, this you tolerate very well. It's amazing how open we are to new information, new ways. I'm afraid as the serpent deceived Eve by his trickery, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity of Christ. How did Eve get tricked? How did Satan trick Eve? If you remember the story, the way Satan tricked Eve was he captivated her attention with the fruit that hung on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He captivated her attention. She saw it to be good to make good for food, to make you wise. So what difference does it make? Oh, the difference was God said, don't eat it. And so accepting the trickery and deception, she being captivated by the fruit of a tree, took, eat, gave to her husband, and they ate. And it opened their eyes, <laughs> opened their eyes to themselves and to the lie that they took to be the truth and they fell from God's glory. And it was all by being captivated by the fruit of a created tree, the knowledge of good and evil. So Paul is saying, I'm afraid... That just as Satan, deserved, uh, serpent, deceived Eve, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity of Christ. We're all so easily captivated, dazzled by the world. Folks, listen to me. I'm sorry. Knowledge, may, data may have increased. It may be increasing every 12 hours, doubling every 12 hours, but we're not getting any smarter. We're not getting any smarter. And let me just tell you students, if you're going to use AI and that kind of stuff to pass the test, you didn't learn the subject. You just passed the test. Now, some say that's all I want. the A. That's all I wanted when I used Cliff Notes. Because I just wanted to... I didn't even want an A. I just like a D. <laughs> or a C. And if we take on the attitude that we can live the Christian life just hoping for a C, you're missing the promises of God. So I want us to look at the simplicity of Christ, the singleness of Christ. I want you to look at verse 9 after that Colossians 8. It says that we've been, we, he warned us that lest you be captivated and brought captive apart from Christ. And he says, for in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The word for there could be translated because... Because in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He said that in chapter 1 also we talked about last week. Paul's kind of like he's wanting us to get it. The Amplified says it this way. For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. The word fullness is pleroma. Pleroma. It means to make full or to fill up. It comes from the root pleru, which it... This word means to the full measure with the emphasis on absoluteness and completeness. In other words, in Jesus was the fullness, the absolute divine nature in all of its fullness and completion. 
in bodily somatikos, physical form. Jesus, in his humanity, was completely full, filled up with the Godhead. He was God in human flesh. Now, I want you to hear me. He died in human flesh. He was buried in human flesh. And he was resurrected with the glorified body, absolutely human flesh. Glorified body. Body you can look forward to. When he ascended to the Father, he ascended in bodily form. And when he is standing at the right hand of the throne of God, he is standing there as absolutely glorified humanity. I want you to get this. Because so many of us think that Jesus is some kind of spirit out there somewhere, all of this kind of thing. Listen, Jesus was the fullness of God in bodily form. He still is. When he comes back, he's not coming back a spirit. He's coming back to step foot physically on this earth. Now, think about that. He is completely, fully filled. Now look at verse 10. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in Him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You are fully, you are complete in Him. The word complete there is pleru. Pleru means it's the root of the same word of pleroma, pleroma that was used of Jesus. It says complete there means to make full or to fill up. It's the same root word translated fullness in verse 9. Weiss translates it this way. And you are in him having been completely filled full with the present result being that you are in a state of fullness. In other words... You, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have been born again, you've been made a new creation, if you've trusted Him and you are trusting Him with your life and your living, the Bible, Paul is teaching that you are right now, you have everything necessary to live the Christian life through the person and the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. What you have is not human tradition but a person not a formula or a knowledge of the mind you have a living union with a person who is himself the full source of life all you need you have in Jesus you are complete well I don't feel complete get over it the Bible says you're complete well, well the preacher said fire him not me. You understand what I'm saying? We have accepted what everybody else says that we give ourselves as an excuse to not believe what God says. We give ourselves an excuse. Well, I can't live that way. I know one day when I get to heaven, everything will be right. Oh, Lord, please, please deliver us from the belief that heaven's going to do more than what Jesus did on the cross. That heaven is some kind of, somehow going to complete something that Jesus didn't finish. That Jesus hadn't provided. Folks, heaven is just the further provision of what you already have in Jesus.
listen to this amplified Colossians 2.10. And you are in him made full and having come to the fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority and every, of every angelic principality and power. Folks, listen to me. That, he is literally saying that is absolutely true right now. You are in Him. Well, what does that what does that mean then? If I'm complete in Him now, what does that mean? Three things, just real quickly. First of all, you're completely forgiven. You're completely forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from how much sin? Okay. My confession doesn't make me forgiven. My confession doesn't get my forgiveness. It's Jesus' blood that forgives me. My confession just lines me up with Him. Full, complete forgiveness. You are completely free. The power and dominion of sin has been broken, rendered inoperative. When Jesus died and was buried, when you accepted Christ, God saw you as in Jesus. He saw you buried with Him and He saw you raised in brand new life. Now you're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You say, how can that be? Not the world's way, God's way. If you think that's going to depend on understanding, you've missed it. It's by faith. I accept what Jesus said. You say, well, that's not, that's not enough for me. Well, then it's not enough for anybody. You see, listen to me. The world's way won't work. Completely forgiven. Completely free. Now... Freedom doesn't take away my choice. You can choose to live in as much sin as you choose to. Just because the power of sin has been broken doesn't mean you can't choose it. And if you believe that you can get by with it and everything... Listen, there's always going to be consequences to sin. Either presently or ultimately. The wages of sin is death. Separation. You're completely forgiven. You're completely free. And you're completely filled. All that Jesus is, He is in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You become a partaker of His divine nature. That's all true of you today. You're complete. doesn't mean that you're forced to live that way. It just means that's the provision. It's absolutely true. Then why don't I live it? Why don't I live it? Because I'm captivated by wrong thinking. I've, I've been taught all of my life that, that these things are just going to happen. These things are just, you know, I don't care what the Bible promises. I've been taught, well, you know, that's for someday. That's not for today. Uh, all of these things. Here's the thing I'm telling you. We take what we've been taught and we go back and we interpret Scripture according to what we've been taught, not what Scripture says. Instead of taking Scripture and testing what we've been taught... It's just easier to have an excuse to live the way we're living. To say things are okay. I'm not... Here's the thing. I'm not wanting you to stop living the way you're wanting. You're living. I'm wanting you to discover how you can live. You see, I'm not wanting to take anything away from you. I'm wanting to bring the reality of who He is into your life. And discover you don't have to put off things when you... You know, I don't have to eat bologna when my wife has cooked a steak. Why would I want to 
mess with that that has no life in it, no nothing but fat in it, when I could have protein. The promises of God are the protein of God for us to live our lives in the fullness of what He's promised. But we settle for the slop of this world because we think it's going to taste good or make us like everybody else when God has given us incredible promises. Literally, literally, the kingdom of heaven can come to earth in your life. That's the promise. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He told us to pray it. Why wouldn't he tell us to believe it? Why don't I? Because we tend to believe, we tend to believe, captivated, we believe what we've always been taught instead of the reality of what. Because let me tell you right here, the Bible is the divinely authoritative, preserved description, word, story of how God, who God is, how much He loves you, how He has a plan for you, and what He did in His Son to make that plan a reality for you. And He gave us pastoral epistles of how we live it among one another and win this world. It's all there. It's all there. But we tend to take what everybody else says it says and we don't get into it with the teacher of the Holy Spirit. Well, I can't understand the Bible, preacher. I just can't understand. You know, I read it. I, you notice I use a lot of different translations. Find something that God can speak to your heart. Now, here's the lie. You can't understand it. You know, you need to have training to understand the Bible. You need to be able to know Greek and Hebrew and all this kind of stuff to understand the Bible. Listen, Greek and Hebrew won't teach you what the Holy Spirit will. Jesus said, I have sent my Holy Spirit and He will guide you into all what? Truth. The reality. The word truth in Scripture means real. means reality. For us to say, I can't understand the Bible, is to say, God, you're a liar. The Holy Spirit can't teach me. Here's the problem. We want an excuse not to read the Bible. Well, I don't understand it. I tried it. Find one you can read. I don't know how many translations are out there, but Bible Gateway has a list about this long. And you can look up one verse and hit that and say, read it in all English versions. And here they go. And you can read all. And just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart what He's trying to say and teach you how to live. But you see, it's easier, isn't it? It's easier to take what I've always thought than to find out what God is saying. The Bible's the authoritative truth about Jesus Christ. Now, then, preacher... If that's what, how do I live it? How can I, can I really get in on it? Okay, we looked at verses 8 through 10. Go back to verse 6. Verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Eugene Peterson translated it, the message, he says, My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus the Master, now live Him. He didn't say live with Him. didn't say live in Him. He says live Him. Live Him. Let Him be living in you. Let Him be life to you. Well, what does it mean to receive Christ? Three things real quickly. The word parable, labano, means to, to, to appropriate, to receive beside. It's to take to yourself. Take to yourself. There's three issues involving. It's not taking a system. It's not taking a, a thought. It's not taking data in. It's, it's, getting, it's receiving a person. 
To receive Christ Jesus is not to receive a religion. It's not to receive a teaching. It's to receive a person. There's three issues involved in receiving Jesus. Revelation, response, and relationship. Revelation, God turns the light on. You've come to the end of yourself. You've, you've got yourself in a place in life that nothing is working. Nobody's happening. And you, there's no way out. There's no way through. There's no way of it. You come to that absolute desperation. You realize that your sin will destroy you. And somebody tells you about Jesus. Somebody tells you about him dying on the cross for you. And the light turns on. And you receive the person of Jesus and what he did 2,000 years ago for you. You take him into yourself. You take. Here's the thing. The revelation of Jesus is a, is, it brings forth the opportunity of response. To respond. To respond, you can say no or you can say yes. You can say no to that revelation or you can say yes to that revelation. You say no to that revelation, the Bible calls that unbelief. Calls it disobedience. You say yes to that revelation, the Bible calls it faith. Belief. You say yes to that revelation, uh, that's your response. So revelation, response, and when you say yes to that revelation, the Bible says that there's something experientially that happens to you. You're born again. You're made a new creation. You're made right before God. You enter into a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. It's, it's not, you didn't get a religion. Christ comes to be in you and you are placed in Christ. You're changed inside, then out. You're transformed. That's what it means to receive Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in, or walk in Him. Literally in the Greek it says, so in Him walk. In Him walk. That word walk, I'm just going to skip over some words. That word walk here, it means to, to really, every time it's used in Scripture, it means to live. To continue. Continue in the way that you entered in. By receiving Christ to be all in all. Trusting Him. Depending on Him. Acknowledging Him. Keep, keep looking to Him. Keep depending on Him. Keep trusting Him. There's also progress. There's advance. A walk takes you somewhere unless you're on a treadmill. Some of us have been on a religious treadmill for years. Get off the treadmill and get, get into Jesus. How? Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Rooted, firmly rooted. So it means to become stable, to be rooted, to firmly fixed, thoroughly grounded. And, and this is why I love the, the language because it's in the passive voice. It means that this rooting took place when you trusted Christ. God did something. He, he rooted you. He planted you into the kingdom. And then it's in the perfect tense where it's meaning it's a completed action with a continuing effect you're always going to be firmly rooted the moment you trusted Christ God rooted you and you'll continue to be rooted because nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus then being built up built up it's not, not just building it's literally laying layer upon layer on a foundation that's already been firmly placed it's layer upon layer you're literally building the wall of your life on the foundation being rooted in Jesus Christ. And then it says established. It means to be sure, fixed, unshakable, certain of who you are and who you're depending on. 
Again, it's in the passive voice. It means that something has been, been produced in you that wasn't you. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has produced, established you. But it's in the present tense that it's an ongoing process. The more you walk with Him, totally trusting Him, nourished by His Word, and our teacher, the Holy Spirit, the more established in the faith you become and the more able you are to live it in a world that says it's impossible. You're deeply rooted in Him, the message says. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now, do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. If that's true, if all of this is true, if the Scripture is true, then how in the world can we be taken captive by human traditions or the ways of this world? Why do they even come? Listen to me. The world is looking for what you already have. They want peace. They want forgiveness. They want freedom. They want filling. They want to, the world is looking for what you have. And what's the problem is we're so much living like the world, they don't want what you have. Because you're not showing them what you really have. We're not showing them what we really have. Because we're not living it. Now, I'm not saying it to put down. I'm saying it to lift up. Lift up your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Folks, listen to me. You can know Him. You can walk with Him. The world has nothing to offer you but less than Jesus. Then why am I not experiencing all of this? Because I've bought the world's bill of goods. I've believed. Three reasons. Let me just say it. Three reasons. We've ceased to be captivated by Jesus. Jesus is old news. It's past tense. It's the old way. We're looking for a fresh way, a new way. We're looking for a novel way. We're looking for a new way. Folks, listen to me. There's only one way. His name's Jesus. Number two, we really don't believe His promises. We don't know them, but we don't believe them. We really don't believe we'll ever have it in this life. Because we believe it depends on us. You are complete in Him. It's when I depend on Him that what He says He can do, He will do. You see, the promises of God are yes and amen. They're not old men. It's not old me. It's yes and amen. And number three, we trust actually, we actually live by what the world says more than we trust what God has spoken and displayed through His Son, Jesus Christ. We really, we really, let me just make a statement. We practice daily what we really believe, no matter what comes out of our mouth. We really believe the world way works because that's how we're living. We really believe that if I can figure it out, if I can get, or if I finally get enough money, if I finally get this, that, that I'll have it. Listen to me, it won't work because there's only one way to life and living, and that's Jesus Christ. And I'm inviting you to turn your eyes on Jesus, to fix your face toward Him, to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to ask the ministry team to go ahead and come. I'm going to ask you a simple question for you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what's been captivating me and has held me captive from my life with Jesus Christ? What's, what's dazzled out there and got my attention and I've chased it rather than being captivated with Jesus.
next thing is, Lord, what's in my life right now that if I really saw you, I wouldn't have any trouble giving up? And then the final question is this, do I really, do I really want the forgiveness, the freedom, and the filling of Jesus Christ, or do I just want my own way? So in just a moment, I'm, we're just gonna, I'm gonna have you do something. The ministry team's gonna be available. If you need prayer in any special type of thing or anybody to agree with you, or maybe you wanna make something public, that, that's gonna be available. And here's, here's my question I want you to, to respond to. Would you today say, Lord, I want to be captivated with Jesus Christ. I want to know you. I want to hear you. I want to be your person in this world for this time. I want to be captivated with, for, with Jesus Christ. I want to see him. I want to know him. I want to live by him, by means of him. If that's something that you could say yes to, I'm going to invite you just to stand where you are. I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm just going to say, Lord, I want to be captivated by you. I want to know you. I want to live. If that's you, I want you to stand right where you are. Just stand up. Stand up. You're not standing up for me. You're standing up for your realization of Jesus. I want to know you. I want to be captivated. I want to be so captivated with you that everything else becomes less than. I want to be captivated. I want you to look around. Those that are sitting, I want you to look around. Those of you that are standing too, I want you to look around. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for those that are standing. I want you to pray. I'm not asking. Just, you see, look around until somebody catches your eye. You, they catch your attention. And I want you to pray for them specifically. Lord, captivate them. Show them yourself. Let them know you in a way they haven't known you before. And let them walk in your ways. Pray for one another right now. You don't have to move. You don't have to do this. You can pray silently. Just pray for them. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would touch every life here, that you would captivate them with the reality of your presence, with the reality of your person, and that, Father, that you would give them a revelation to have a response to that would step into a relationship that will change everything. You just stand and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And I just invite everyone else to stand up with you. Just stand up. Listen. As they sing, we're just going to give you an opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond to Him. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Yes, Lord, and amen. The ministry team is going to remain here to minister to any of you that have needs, but thank you for being here this morning. And we just invite you to respond to Jesus this week in every way you can. God bless you.